welcome to the AcroChats podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the practice of acrobatics in the global acro community. I'm Sean. And I'm Emily. We're partners and teachers based out of New York City, and we love acro. Each week, we dive into acro topics, including training tips and methodology, happenings in history of the practice, and interviews with acro practitioners from around the world. Come hang with us as we explore the world of acro and its global community. Oh, it's happening. Here we are. So I think this is going to be the tradition for pretty much every episode. Welcome to episode two, two and a half of Acro Chats. That's the podcast. <laughs> At least I can make her laugh. So welcome to the Acro Chats podcast, everyone. We're talking about handstands. So yeah, this is our handstand episode. So there's so much we can talk about handstands. Emily and I practice handstands all the time. I was just saying, I'm sure we're going to have more than one handstand episode. This is the first one. So this is in our files, handstand Roman numeral I love handstands. (laughs) Anyway, so let's get to this. So we have a few things marked out. So we want to kind of just start off this conversation today with this uh, question of what is a handstand? It's a stand on your hands. Um, Uh Most of us walk around on our feet. That's true. And I would say, if you want to get real semantical about it, a handstand is anything where the hips are over the head and the feet are not on the floor. Yeah, and I would go, I'd go as far as saying like anything that your hands are on the ground and your feet are not on the floor and there's no other like extra point of contact. So I guess it would be like, do you consider a, the bottom of a 90 degree push up or like a peacock pose? Do you consider like arms connecting to your body, not a handstand? Possibly, but more broadly speaking, handstands, generally we talk about them as like the arms are straight, the hips are over top your shoulders. And I guess like before that, your shoulder is about over your hand. So one of the things we want to talk about is like, what are the common things between different handstands and what are the things that are sometimes different? So from my perspective, um, well, not my perspective, the perspective of physics, the more straight your arms are, the more possible it's going to be to get to like a stacked efficient position for your uh, muscles to work. They don't need to get necessarily all the straight and lots of types of handstands. Um, I mean, most people bend their arms in handstands quite often, but generally trying to stay straighter uh, gives you the possibility of being more efficient. And then other handstands that get more uh, challenging, like one arm handstands, uh, there becomes a really big advantage to having very straight elbows. But um, beyond that, I think the most important thing would be in a straight arm handstand would be shoulders over the hands. Um, now there's like a little bit of wiggle room forward and backwards, even a little bit of wiggle room side to side, depending on hand placement, not even like talking about like one arms right now, but like shoulders over hands, elbows straight. And then the back needs to be stacked. So when we're saying back, uh, thinking about like your spine, um, so stack doesn't necessarily need to be straight. You can just think that like if your shoulder area, head area is 
the beginning of the spine and the handstand coming from the ground up, then like your sacrum, your low back needs to be approximately over that. And then legs have to be in not a bad position <laughs> for where your back is. Not a disadvantageous position from a physics standpoint, right? Yeah. So um, there's lots of different shapes that can happen in handstand. Um, you know, we're not saying that the only handstand is a straight body handstand, um, but essentially like your center of mass has to be over your base of support. And the base of support is the hands. And um, even if you're making like a crazy contortion shape, if you add together all the vectors in the body and the center of mass, even if it's actually outside of where your body is, if your center of mass is over your base of support, you're probably in a handstand. Yeah. Well, hmm. <laughs> I don't want to like, try to dissect that one too much, but that sounds close enough. What I was going to say is like, I think it's really interesting when you look at even like the most advanced, like one arm handstand, even like taking like contortion shapes into it. Uh, the, like Emily said, like the vectors, the uh, line of gravity is gonna be, maybe the spine is in a very strange looking position, but it all balances itself out. Um, so what does the handstand have to do with acro is a question. This is the Acro Chats podcast. We talk, we chat, if you will, about acro. Um, and that's acro in not just like partner acrobatics, but acrobatics generally. So one of my teachers, uh, Jason Niemer, he's the uh, founder of Acro Yoga, the company, uh, acroyoga.org, Acro Yoga International. Um, Jason uh, would refer to handstands as the like keystone posture of acrobatics or like the most foundational shape of acrobatics. There's another uh, teacher in, uh, he used to work for the Big Apple Circus um, and has done, been circus for a long time, Virgil, Virgil, Virgil. Anyway, he, uh, he talked about the, the entrance to the handstand being your first half rotation. Like that's the first half of your front flip. So I thought that was a really interesting idea. But we see handstands pop up in like all sorts of different um, acrobatic forms. Uh, there's paintings of people in handstands or like pottery paintings from like thousands of years ago even. I think we both, um, we both feel pretty strongly that handstands have a lot to do with acro, especially partner acrobatics. Um, you know, we've sort of taken the approach to the practice that um, this solo practice, kind of really becoming familiar with handstands and training handstands a lot is just one additional way that we can make our partner acro practice like really, really strong. And, you know, there are plenty of people that do partner acro and acro yoga, L-basing, um, even people that practice standing acrobatics um, that don't maybe practice handstands as much as we do, or they don't think that handstand training is as important. Um, you know, we're just here to give our perspective on it. I think handstands relate to acrobatics in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, I mean, I, uh, if you want your acrobatics to involve your hands, uh, then, you know, the handstand is kind of like the, the litmus test for like, can you control your body? Um, in this like very unadvantageous position in a way via like specific strategies. So 
Uh, let's go a little bit into um, how both Emily and myself uh, kind of came to handstands, and then I think that'll kind of lead into we can talk a little bit of the different styles of uh, different disciplines that do you find the handstands in. And then I uh, definitely want to spend a little bit of time talking about partner acrobatic handstands and hand-to-hand, -hand, since that's uh, all the rage nowadays. Um, so for myself, I, I uh, first kind of was exposed to handstands when I was about 12 years old. Um, and I saw a kid at his bar mitzvah. I mean, I always uh, shout out David Ginsburg at his bar mitzvah. And, you know, in the middle school breakdance circle, um, he, he kicked up and like took a few steps on his hands or held a handstand. But all I know is like, I thought that was really cool. And if he could do that, I could do that too. And he was a generous teacher and he taught me at his bar mitzvah, like how he did it. And it was like, start with your arms over your head and try to kick up. And then I don't remember if he told me to walk around or if I just did that naturally, but that was pretty much the extent of it. Like there wasn't necessarily like a, any idea of like what I was trying to end up in. Um, but I tried to learn how to walk on my hands and I wanted to be able to do that by my bar mitzvah. So I had precious months to prepare. Um, so like every day I went down to my parents' basement and it was really dusty, but I would just like try to kick up into a handstand and try to take as many steps as I could. Um, that was the goal was like to be able to take as a lot of steps to take a few spills, take a few spills. I did. Oh, I took so many spills. So I guess like to, I had to like try to do cartwheels. I was always, I never felt like I was good at cartwheels. Um, I had tried to, I could do like a headstand, I think. Uh, some kind of tripod headstand, but I'm curious, like whether like my knees got off my arms or what what the deal was there. But anyway, um, so yeah, I could. I was trying to do handstands like every day. Um, I started trying to do them on like skateboards, um, trying to like take a like kind of run next to your board and like kick into a handstand and roll as far as you could. Um, I would try to do it like onto a skateboard on the grass or try to do like a trick called a street plant, which is kind of like a one arm freeze that you put a board up on your feet. But I never got particularly good at any of this. Like I got to the point that I could like confidently get my uh, butt over my shoulders and I could keep my arms straight enough that I wasn't falling on my face. Um, but I never really like was able to get it to the point that I wanted to. I could never just like stay in it. I could never walk indefinitely. Um, I did take some really big spills. Like it was just super common that I would like fall over on my back. Like who would imagine that if you start standing with a skateboard in your hands over your head and then you kick into a handstand downhill on grass that you might flip over onto your back? I mean, seems plausible to me. Yeah. but. Uh, <laughs> Another time I remember specifically at potentially a different bar mitzvah, almost certainly a different bar mitzvah, um, at the point that I could do it and I could like kind of do what I wanted to be able to do, which was kind of like take a few steps. I remember my arms just going completely buckling out and my head going straight down, like pile driving myself into the floor. But um, I got over the fear pretty early on in this, uh, oh, this the journey. The of youth. <laughs> yeah, so I was like 12 and then I got to college. I remember like trying to, so college is where I um, got introduced to like uh, more fitness, martial arts, yoga, 
capoeira classes like by my senior year. And so I started to become more, I would see these things, I would try to do like handstand push-ups at the gym, um, probably like very, I mean, I wish I could see like a highlight reel of the days before cell phones, cell phone cameras. Um, I guess there were cell phone cameras, but this, I remember the first iPhone came out when I was a freshman in college. It was, uh, it was pretty cool. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I got exposed to arm balances, crow poses. Um, it, it came pretty naturally to me, but I didn't really have much instruction or even see many people doing it around me. So there wasn't much like inspiration to like pick it up. I was largely into skating, but, uh, I got to yoga and I would, when I got to like a yoga studio in New York city, like I started seeing a lot more handstands. Um, I would ever so often try to do them at the wall. I got introduced to headstands of different varieties, different arm balances that were lower and I, and also handstands. And I gradually grew my handstand practice um, over, it didn't, it took like time. I've now been at handstands as an adult for eight or nine years, I believe, um, maybe longer. Oh yeah, probably like 10 years, almost 10 years as an adult. We'll call it nine. Um, and yeah, I, I had all like the classic yoga things, bent arms, arms uneven, like, just not really a specific shape I was aiming for. It's like you kick up and you balance. Um, it was through like acro yoga, partner acrobatics that I refined my handstand. Um, and I kind of became familiar with like this idea of a straight body handstand. I'll, uh, I'll always uh, give Nathan Price from Standing Acrobatics the shout out at like the first ever New York Dutch Acrofest in like 2013. He, uh, he introduced me to the idea of like a straight body handstand. I, I should actually give Jan credit though. I think Jan, uh, one of our teachers at Warrior Bridge, he tried to tell me I was backbending in my handstand, but like to me a backbend in a handstand was like a scorpion. And it was like, I'm definitely not, my feet are nowhere near my head, so my, my back's not bending. Um, but I, I didn't hear that even. And it was a, yeah. I was surprised my handstand forward roll didn't feel very good. But uh, yeah, Nathan introduced me to this like in his assertive British manner. He uh, kind of like showed some things. And uh, I remember that was actually really interesting. And uh, that was really influential in me uh, getting more specific. Eventually I decided I wanted to be able to do one arms, one arm handstand. I saw friends being able to do it. And um, you know, like, some healthy competition is always good for driving uh, progress. And yeah, now I've been training one arm jumps and hand balancing for uh, three years, fairly daily, pretty damn daily. And uh, yeah, and then we do uh, more advanced partner acro skills with uh, lots of different handstands. I told Emily I was gonna tell my story really briefly, but... Uh, <clears throat> Such, yeah. So it goes. <laughs> Sorry, everyone got treated to, you know, the full Langhouse experience. <laughs> in case they didn't get enough in the intro episode. <laughs> um, I, I kind of always feel like a little um, hesitant to share my handstand journey because I just feel like um, there wasn't that 
there hasn't been that much of it. <laughs> um, and you know, it, it's sort of unglamorous. Um, but anyway, uh, growing up, I grew up dancing. Um, and I've always been able to do a headstand, um, a tripod headstand. I, I somehow that came through in my dance career. Uh, I've always been able to cartwheel. And um, I think I took like a baby gymnastics class when I was like five or six. Um, and I think I just held on to those skills from way back then. And then nothing until I became a very regular yoga practitioner. In 2015, I got my yoga teaching certification. The same, we got our yoga teaching certification at the same place at different times. Um, and, you know, I was going to like advanced asana classes. And a lot of those classes included arm balances and the offer to kick into handstand if it's in your practice. You know, you take a rocket yoga class and it's part of the sequence, like, okay, if it's in your practice, take the handstand and float back and chaturanga and blah. But there's no specificity around it. There's no, um, <laughs> how do you get there? You just kind of throw it in, maybe you try, maybe you float for a minute and maybe you fall. Um, so I never really like, tried that much because I just thought it was not in my skill set, like I didn't have the ability. I remember once Nikki Carter's class, um, I think there was a forearm stand. And afterwards I was like, where do I start? And she showed me like an L-shaped forearm stand, um, belly to wall. And it was just like so hard. <laughs> and I was just like, this is gonna take forever. Like I'm not, it's not worth it. Um, I think I kicked up to the wall a couple of times. Fast forward, um, I was teaching at Warrior Bridge. Sean made me try acro. I got addicted to acro. Like, you know, I was doing acro for a while and then it became clear that if I really wanted to progress in the acro practice, I would need to have a serious handstand practice as well. So started practicing handstands. I remember election night 2016 on Instagram, I posted the first balanced handstand um, to my feed. Uh, it was a split leg handstand. It was not a straight spine. It was probably like 10 or 12 second hold. Um, but I was like proud enough of it that I posted it on my Instagram. So since then I've been training it fairly seriously. Um, I can't say I have a daily training practice in the same way, just because I also do a lot of things for work that take up my time. And, um, but I practice several times a week and occasionally I get in like a 90 minute practice. Yeah. And that said, she still probably does like a one arm handstand a day and a stalter press a day. So like she's still, uh, at this point trains pretty consistently maybe not 365 days a year indeed yeah 353 <laughs> um yeah and so that kind of even during the last year and a half of COVID I think we've both really relied on our personal handstand practice as a way to kind of keep our training lives going even if we haven't spent as much time doing acro as one might expect um and I'll just reiterate, um, at least for me, I think it's a really important part of my acro practice is 
maintaining my handstand practice. So it's worth mentioning that um, in case you're unfamiliar, Emily and I both teach several weekly handstand classes and we have been for a while now. Um, myself, I've started teaching handstand classes um, originally through like yoga classes. They, so they weren't like specialized handstand classes, but like I started teaching actual handstand classes probably around 2015, 2016. And when we went online uh, at the beginning of COVID um, and started our uh, virtual studio with Warrior Bridge, um, handstands became like a way more prominent part of what we do. Um, so we started, uh, so we already had, I believe, almost daily handstand classes in person at Warrior Bridge, but we um, started having people from all over the world join in our classes, specifically all over the US and Canada. But those people found, were able to finally take our classes and instead of teaching, um, you know, sometimes we would teach like uh, 10 person, 15 person classes, but suddenly like we had daily 20 person classes teaching people who had never done handstands, teaching people that already could do handstands. We started having two handstand classes a day and having different styles of handstand classes, like having press handstand classes and one arm handstand classes. And the interesting thing about that is um, I think a lot of people, you know, have access to a yoga class or a dance class. Um, you know, maybe they live in a mid-sized city or even like a small town, um, but not a lot of people have access to a space that teaches specifically a handstand class with the emphasis on, um, you know, like acrobatic technique and how do you go from not being able to balance a handstand to balancing a handstand. Um, and it's not just kind of sprinkled into a vinyasa. So I think um, COVID kind of gave us this unique opportunity small silver lining in like a really, really tough time for a lot of people um, that we could build this community online of people who were interested in learning it as a skill on its own. Um, and that was, that was really cool. Yeah, I'm, I get a feeling that most of the people watching this or quite a few of you are familiar with the like vastness of the like internet acro handstand communities to I'm mainly on Facebook and Instagram, but I have friends, people that I, I would call friends. They might even call me friends back, uh, that do handstands that live like in different parts of the country, different parts of the world. I get to talk to, um, I don't know what, what's the opposite of fans. Detractors. No, no, like the, uh, you are a fan of someone, but that person is a, of your, is there an opposite? I don't know. Basically like Mikhail and Harry Williams and Yuval and, uh, basically like all the, your handstand idols, all my handstand idols that I had, uh, like kind of like watched videos of, um, on like YouTube and Instagram when I was like learning how to do one arms to kind of like just understand what was out there and different people that have come through Warrior Bridge. I've gotten to keep uh, in different instructors, different students that have come through Warrior Bridge. I've gotten to keep in touch with them. So handstands, even though they're like an extremely solitary practice where you're literally staring at the ground for like potentially hours a week. I mean, 
potentially hours a day, um, you know, you can stay connected and you can still feel like you're part of a, a team, even though everyone's like kind of handling their own thing. I think that's part of why um, it really came to be during COVID that, you know, our handstand classes allowed us to kind of build up a, a studio schedule. And um, because it is a solitary practice, it is something that you can do, most people at least can do somewhere in their home. I mean, we've had people join into classes that were practicing in like a five by five space in their tiny bedroom in a New York City apartment. Um, and you know, it's not ideal training conditions, but you can make it work. Um, and so when everyone's required to be in isolation, it's kind of a nice thing to be able to have this goal that you're pursuing. Yeah. I mean, even when you have those very limited spaces, sometimes like it might not make sense to do a follow along class if, uh, people are, if, if a lot of the drills are based upon having a lot of space on the walls um, or a lot of floor space to be able to fall out. But like, there's, in my opinion, there should be things that you can do with almost any amount of space. Um, like if you have enough space to stand on your feet, you should almost have enough, like if you have enough space to walk in and out of your room, you can be working on crow poses, headstands at your door, um, or handstands at your door even. Like if you have a door, there's a good chance unless your door is covered in things, which I know like, hey, New York City, it's, uh, we gotta make the most of our space. But um, yeah, so let's maybe take a moment to go over a few of the, the disciplines that um, handstands show up in. So it seemed to be, we would be remiss to not start with gymnastics, just cause that is where a lot of, a lot of the technique um, has developed and a lot of like the spread of handstands. It's a lot of people's first uh, introduction to handstands because it shows, uh, because gymnastics is taught to kids. It's also like for a lay person that is not interested in learning handstands or, you know, is never going to try one, they've at least seen gymnastics on TV. Yeah, you see it in the Olympics. Um, and gymnastics handstands uh, at this point have a very specific, uh, form any very specific function. Um, so the, the modern day gymnastics handstand is a very straight locked out handstand, uh, very uh, focused on um, efficient angles, a open shoulder angle, uh, really elevated shoulders, not always super narrow um, with the arms, but uh, maybe slightly wider than shoulders or yeah, so that there's like a little bit of wiggle room and... Uh, and in gymnastics, handstand is done on pretty much every apparatus as well. So, yeah, so there's it's not, not as, always done on the floor. Yeah, so there's actually not a ton in gymnastics uh, competition of like static handstand. In some events, uh, so like in a floor routine, you might have a Japanese handstand, which is like a, a very wide arm handstand where you'll press up, hold your handstand and forward roll out. Um, on like something like pommel horse, uh, there might be moments of uh, pausing where you do like a flare up into a handstand, rings, there will be handstands, parallel bars. Um, and then there's this whole aspect in gymnastics that the handstand is 
but the handstand shows up in almost everything in gymnastics because you pass through the handstand in, in tumbling. So like um, a round off is like a cartwheel that be becomes a handstand snap down. So a not front a handspring of... launches through a, uh, a, a handstand. Right. So it's a kind of like a power position in gymnastics um, that, you know, people move through uh, and there's not a lot of long holds in handstand in gymnastics. So um, we find that people coming to our classes that have a gymnastics background are really great at like holding body tension and like having really strong shoulders. But then just that little element of staying and balancing is like the last last bit. Yeah, and I think depending on who the uh, who the gymnast is and whether they've like spent significant time doing practicing balancing their handstand, because some people it's just like inherently interesting to, um, they might already be able to, to, they might pick it up extremely quickly. And generally, if you have a gymnastics background, it's just gonna be a huge um, boost in how quickly you'll progress for various reasons. Most gymnasts can walk. On their hands. Most gymnasts can walk on the hands. Um, it's worth noting that the straight body handstand that we refer to for modern gymnastics is not what it has always been. And in fact, it's a fairly recent uh, development where that became the standard. So if you look at videos of gymnastics um, through pretty much the whole 60s, um, going into the 70s, the handstand becomes like progressively straighter, but when you look at like the old Olympics, like you see just like banana back handstands and, uh, or a arched handstand. Um, and that's just because that's what the standard was because the, um, the techniques that you would use or that you would be uh, performing uh, didn't have this huge demand for a super straight back. As you start to do like giant swings on like a high bar and start to use, um, like you're vaulting and doing like, I can't even like make up gymnastics things, round off, back full in and out. <laughs> um, there becomes this higher demand upon the handstand. Um, but if you look at like the old videos, like let's say they're on like parallel bars, they start in like an L-sit, they just do like a bent arm press where they like arch up into a handstand and they might do a pirouette and then there might be like some sort of swing flip dismount, but it, it met the needs of the day. Uh, but now the handstand has taken on a very different look. Um, but yeah, gymnastics is also how a lot of people, that's where a lot of like the more efficient technique um, has been widely distributed to adults also over the last uh, many years. So like things like gymnastics bodies and other, um, which is like Coach Sommers, Chris Sommers um, product that introduced a lot of people to gymnastics strength training and gymnastics uh, handstand drills. Um, there's so many former gymnasts out there that are gonna largely be <clears throat> the best handstanders around unless like someone specifically trains handstands. Uh, the other thing that we, the other, one of the other really big places that people learn handstands as adults, um, and probably the bigger place that people are introduced to handstands as adults is yoga. And that's like where 
I kind of like was given a place to practice handstands in a consistent way where I wasn't someone doing something weird. And I think, um, I mean, we're just trying to contextualize, you know, areas where handstand has developed in different practices. Um, we're absolutely not trying to evaluate them as like better or worse in any of these contexts. Um, I would say in the world of yoga, uh, as I mentioned, it tends to be sort of, for lack of a better word, like sprinkled in, in the flow of a class. So um, if it's like a sort of traditional vinyasa style class, um, it might be like you do a lunging sequence, right side, left side, and then maybe float to handstand, lower to chaturanga, and you know, you do your vinyasa. Um, and you know, this could be in a room where you're fairly close together with other people on their mats. Um, and so it's just kind of this little moment to attempt you know, floating up, maybe you don't really stay in the handstand that long, but you do get your hips up. Um, and in some classes, it's offered, you know, 15 times. Um, so you get 15 little attempts to maybe try to invert. Um, and then certainly there will be yoga studios that have like inversion workshops, handstand workshops, um, where there's a little bit more breaking things down and um, a little more focused practice on that. And definitely other arm balances come into play in yoga. So there's this element of kind of conditioning the body towards being able to balance with your hands and making your shoulders stronger and kind of being familiar with being upside down. Yeah, so within yoga, um, as Emily mentioned, sometimes the handstand starts to get treated as a part of the flow. And this, um, if anyone, if you practice yoga or, well, if you practice yoga, you know what sun salutations are. Um, I think I'm not, I might not be up to date on like the current uh, state of the yoga, but uh, in a sun salutation, there is often a jump back movement, which um, you can literally jump, but like, as you progress with it, you kind of start to learn how to do like uh, pike press uh, to like bent arm chaturanga as you you learn how to like jump up to the front of your mat or float up to the front of the mat which is kind of like jumping to that pike float position and you do get the repetition at it so like let's say you do five sun a's five sun b's because you're doing like ashtanga or rocket yoga or the teacher thinks that you should do five sun a's or five sun b's you get all those repetitions of jump back push up jump forward try to float forward fold, back bend, it's, you know, it's very fundamental movements. And um, there's also the element of like yoga postures, as Emily mentioned, arm balancing postures. These go back in yoga, not originally for like performance as far as we understand it, but like uh, things like peacock pose, Mayurasana is one of where the elbows are like in the stomach and the fingers are facing the opposite way. It's a very bent arm. It's kind of like a plank uh, or a planche, a bent arm planche where your elbows are on your stomach. That one is one of the oldest poses. There's poses like, I mean, I could keep naming poses, but even the headstand shows up in like Hatha yoga texts. And so there's these things that prepare you to do um, harder inversions, um, the handstand eventually. I practiced uh, a lot of what was called rocket yoga, still is called rocket yoga, 
uh, rocket yoga, there was, um, it's kind of like a shtanga yoga on crack where there's all the, um, the same postures, but they're restructured. The sequence is restructured and you get to uh, work in like forearm stands and crow poses and handstands every class. And you, you know, like Emily said, there's not as much of like a breaking down technique and workshopping things and giving individual feedback, but you know, you get exposed to these things and you get to build up your uh, bag of tricks. And then when you get to, there's a certain point that you start to be, I can do a crow pose, I can do a forearm stand, I can do a headstand every time I can jump through and like, I can kind of like lift my butt off the ground um, and float back. When you start to be able to do all those things, then like the handstand becomes less, uh, less crazy. And you just start to like give more brave attempts at the handstand and eventually you get it. And if you really like it, you might be adding, adding things to it. What, what's kind of missed in handstands is in yoga is a lot of times, you know, it's asking a lot of teachers to be an expert in every single pose and handstands have like way more specificity than uh, most other poses or at least like the consequence of a handstand not being done in the right way is like you're not able to do it. Whereas like most stretches, most lunges, even most balancing postures on the feet or even low arm balances, you can still usually make it work. But handstands just has like a higher degree of demand. Yeah. I mean, if you are in a lunge with a front knee bent and the back leg straight, you're in some kind of warrior. You did it, you know? Um, but in a handstand, if you put your hands on the floor and you kick up and you don't stay, you didn't do it. Um, so. You know, it just takes like a, a more time and energy for, from a teaching standpoint. I would say in the world of yoga or people coming to handstand practice from a yoga practice, um, one advantage is they've probably developed some amount of awareness or strength in the direction of pressing. Um, you know, because if you're in a room practicing yoga with other people on mats, you're always going to come from like the back end of the mat towards the handstand um, and probably want to avoid falling forward because you might be falling on someone. So there's a lot of this kind of like maybe not quite making it to a handstand, but you're still working that strength um, from that side. Um, so, you know, there's this element of repetition and, and try hard that comes from yoga that totally. I think is really admirable. Yeah, I think just like the do it and like non, non-attachment. <laughs> um, no, but like in yoga, it's there's, since it's not, uh, the focus necessarily, um, or at least not the expressed focus, uh, it's a low pressure environment to try it. And people that might be embarrassed to like go to a handstand class will get exposure to it. And, um, yeah, I think it offers a steady inroad. I think like, people need to be practicing strength and flexibility often if they want to do handstands and yoga is maybe not the most technical way to uh, go about doing all those things, but like it is a way that incorporates all those things. So good on yoga for getting us here today, but uh, we'll take it from here yoga. Um, so we wanted to go over all, we had more disciplines, but also don't want to go too much longer. Um, but 
other things like calisthenics, people that do more specific strength training based around body weight movements like planches where you um, essentially are doing handstands that aren't stacked um, purposely, purposefully. Um, so you lean your shoulders as far forward as you need to to counterbalance the rest of your body to float off the floor. Those can be done with straight arms, they can be done with bent arms, things like handstand push-ups, um, 90 degree push-ups, uh, and other uh, like tiger bend where you do like a handstand push-up to a forearm stand, those are a part of that. Uh, Breakdancing has, and capoeira have all sorts of different breakdancing, they would call them freezes, so the different two-arm handstand freezes where you make a shape and like just kind of hit it for a moment in the middle of the dance. Um, also like things like uh, it has power moves that are like more like gymnastic sequences like flares, air flares. Um, a windmill involves moving through like a low crock or they would call it like a stab, uh, turtle freeze stab. I'm not always uh, the best with them. Um, and capoeira has like the QDR, the Keita Jaheen um, arm balance, which is kind of you'll cartwheel into it. And it's part of like in their, in their martial art, uh, they, they throw kicks from it or they use it as like a escape, a transition. Um, and then hand balancing. There's a actual discipline of hand balancing. So these are traditions where handstand shows up as kind of part of a larger practice. And then hand balancing itself is the practice, the art, the sport of refining and making harder and harder handstand skills. Yeah. To give a, just to not complete, I mean, we're completely glossing over breakdancing and capoeira and probably for a good reason because don't necessarily practice them. But uh, I've, I've done a good bit of capoeira and I think one of the interesting things about like a capoeira handstand, a breakdance handstand, or a calisthenics handstand, or a yoga handstand is they might look different. Like they don't necessarily prioritize having a straight spine. Um, like in capoeira they call, um, forgive me for butchering Brazilian Portuguese, but bananera. Bananera, yeah, I can't roll my R's, but it basically means like banana tree. And like they, they're proud of that because in capoeira, a handstand is arms pretty wide, elbows bent, and your head tucked through so you can look at your opponent and kick them while you cartwheel into your handstand and you throw your au batido. Um, capoeira is great. I really wish uh, there was an easier way to practice it without joining a club, but anyway. Um, hand balancing. So this is where, this is more of what Emily and myself practice. This is the discipline that uh, we're, when you see people holding long balanced one-arm handstands, this is often like they will be practicing hand balancing just because it is a uh, practice that takes a high degree of, that's a skill that has some incredible demands on the body. And if it's not placed impeccably, um, very challenging to, balance. Hand balancing is also um, very focused on, it's not just did you stay in the handstand. It's like, what does the shape look like? Is it efficient? Um, you know, if you're... How did it look? What does it look like? How did you get there? Did it look good when you get there? <laughs> did it look good when you got out of it? I would say hand balancing, we should mention, is kind of the performance discipline of, uh, of handstanding. Yeah. So a lot of times, uh, people will be hesitant to call themselves hand balancers 
because traditionally a hand balancer <clears throat> would be someone that performs hand balance. And, but I think that at the point that you're practicing hand balancing every day, like I don't know that we need to like distinguish that you're no longer, a, you're not a hand balancer. I used to be really particular about not calling myself one, but then at a certain point, I just like, it's hand balance. Um, I would say a small percentage of people that practice it actually perform it. Um, but you know, there's also different within hand balancing, there's different techniques and different styles. Um, you know, so there's contortion hand balancing and then, you know, there's sort of more the straight body, straight body hand balancing. Sometimes we would, uh, talk about that as like the Russian style technique. Um, there's different schools of hand balancing, some of which, um, are similar to each other, some of which are very different. But like the Mongolian style and the Chinese style are different from each other, whereas also like the Ukrainian style and the Russian style. Um, but then nowadays with like the internet and people kind of learning from multiple teachers, it's uh, you kind of figure out what works for you. And I've talked to this about this with like, um, I mentioned Mikhail, Mikhail. Um, he has a great, uh, he has a whole podcast with Emmett Lewis about handstands, so you might check that out if you kind of are into this kind of conversation. But he was talking about like modern day, like people don't really have one teacher. Um, and the best people usually don't have one teacher at this point because you can like collect information from so many different places. Um, so yeah, hand balancing uh, has some incredible, incredible practitioners out there. It's a super highly specified discipline. Um, you don't see a lot of uh, hand balancers that are amazing at other disciplines that aren't like directly related. Like you don't meet a lot of amazing hand balancers who are also amazing jugglers and are also, um, but you do meet people that are like, there are some like truly extraordinary athletes out there that are like great tumblers and great flyers and great hand balancers, even great bases and great hand balancers. It's just like, it takes a lot of time um, to be able to perform hand balancing. And a lot of things don't take as much specificity, honestly. Yeah, I, you know, to be truly, to really excel at hand balancing, you kind of have to specialize in hand balancing. And um, I think the closest discipline that benefits from a hand balancing practice is partner acro or specifically hand-to-hand, -hand. Um, and those are very much related. They're slightly different. Yeah, um, and I think that's a pretty good wrap-up of hand balancing. There's obviously more, but as Emily said, that we will likely have multiple handstand episodes, um, given that we're already over our agreed-upon boundaries. Sorry, dear. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, acro, and hand-to-hand. -hand. So within partner acrobatics, acro yoga, or the discipline of hand-to-hand, -hand, uh, there's the skill of hand-to-hand. -hand. So I was, uh, acro was really big for me in my handstand practice because I got introduced to inverting myself on a person via things like doing shoulder stands on someone's feet or hands, or balancing other people doing a shoulder stand on my hands. Um, and then fairly quickly, even within the acro yoga community, um, back when I started, people um, were practice, starting to practice hand-to-hand -hand and doing a handstand on someone else's hand, hands, or hand if it's a one arm. 
Um, and this can be done either lay, the base laying on their back, that's how I originally was introduced to it, and then you start to, often people do learn it standing up after that. Sometimes they can learn it that way first. Um, but hand-to-hand -hand is a whole discipline that people will go to circus school and they'll specialize in uh, partner acrobatics and hand-to-hand. And the practice of, or the discipline of hand-to-hand -hand is not solely the flyer doing a handstand in the base's hands. Um, there's a lot of other elements that come in, especially if you're trying to make a, you know, four or five minute act, it's not just going to be a handstand on the base the whole time. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of choreography, there might be other types of acro skills, different dance lifts, different, even now you see more like L-basing um, making its way into contemporary circus. Handstands on other body parts, you know, handstand on shoulders, um, and then, you know, the... Handstand even, on feet. Yep. Worthy of mention. One of our favorite skills. Uh, and even within hand-to-hand, -hand, there's um, low hand-to-hand, -hand, extended hand-to-hand, -hand, um, and transitions to and from hand-to-hand, -hand, um, maybe some dynamic releases, corvette and cascade. Um, and, I mean, we probably could do a whole episode on hand-to-hand, hand. yeah, so it seems should like... should plan to do that at some point. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, hand-to-hand -hand is uh, kind of like an obsession for some people within acro. Uh, and rightfully so, because we love handstands, we love, uh, we love acro. Um, I think a lot of times we, uh, we, we like to explore some of the other lesser explored handstand on people sort of skills, um, just because we, we just like to be different. Um, but yeah, I wanted to also just mention the, uh, I feel like, again, we would be remiss to not mention gymnastics cousin, sports acrobatics or acrobatic gymnastics. And that's the basically competitive acro. Um, as as uh, young gymnasts, people are picked to be like, uh, to do partner acro or to to do acro sports, sports acro. And they do, a lot of it is very based around hand-to-hand -hand skills. Uh, we're talking about like extended one-arm hand-to-hand -hand flag and then the base is like spiraling themselves to the ground uh, into a split. There, it's a very, very cool discipline. You can go into the YouTube wormhole hardcore, but um, a lot of those people uh, basically do that through into the, like their early adulthood and then they retire and they don't do it. Some people become a part of like the recreational acro community. Um, that's where um, Emily and I kind of got introduced to acro and hand to hand. Um, and then also some of them will go into the circus. Um, so circus being uh, like adult performance of what they were already working on. They might develop their act into different things. They might join the acrobatic troupe. Within sports acro, um, I should mention also that there is like the duo acrobatics. So there will be either men's pairs, women's pairs, or mixed pairs. But then there's also group, uh, group acro, which would be like women's, women's trios or men's fours. Um, and men's fours will wind up with like a three high, two, three people standing on each other's shoulders that has like a hands, a one arm on the top uh, base's head that they press into and then 
come directly to the ground out of. But uh, yeah, so there's so much incredible handstands, hand balancing uh, out there. We have already kind of, we're coming right up against that hour mark. So I think we're gonna cut ourselves, uh, pretty much cut ourselves off uh, at that. Emily, do you have any like closing thoughts on handstands? I mean, I think, you know, if you're, um, you know, by yourself, uh, even if you are an acro practitioner, if handstand hasn't been a part of your movement journey so far, get started. Even if you're an adult, you can, we'll have a whole, maybe we'll have another episode about, you know, some, um, common obstacles and questions about starting the handstand practice. But, um, you know, obviously <laughs> here's where we can plug our classes one more time. Um, but it's, it's really accessible. Um, you know, it seems like intimidating, I think to a lot of people who start as adults, but find a intro class, find like a beginner class. Um, and you know, just the more you kind of do it and repeat it and figure out what upside down means and what are my shoulders, where are my hands? Um, it's definitely something that you can learn. So. Yeah. And I would say as an adult, if you're starting out and specifically if you're an adult who knows what they want to be able to do, I'd say it's really worth investing in a private lesson. Um, there's a lot of people out there. Um, if you can work with someone in person, that's really great, especially if you find like the right uh, teacher because um, they can spot you in it and they can see different dimensions to the handstand. But even an online private, um, you might just get like exactly what you need in that first hour of instruction. Whereas in group classes, it's going to be a little bit more of a lead workout uh, where the teacher offers up drills. And that's, we highly advocate going to those. But if you know what you want to work on, uh, reach out to an instructor that uh, does the thing that you want to be able to do. Even maybe not even an instructor, like if you have a friend that can do the thing that you want to be able to do, like ask them if they want to meet up and like work on it. Um, like no reason to, there's always a place to start. So yeah, I wanted to finish a little bit more motivational. So yeah, come visit us for handstand classes. Um, send us questions about handstands or like if you uh, listen to this and you're like, wow, that was cool. Share it. Share, share the podcast, make us famous. Um, cool. Well, Emily has to heal the, the heal, injured. heal the injured. We um, didn't injure them. I promise. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll talk more about handstands soon. Um, there's always going to be more handstands to do. Cool. Happy handstanding. See you soon. Hey everyone, we're super excited to tell you about the Cirque House Festival coming to New York City November 12th to 14th. This is going to be a three-day weekend festival featuring day-long intensives, weekend workshops, um, classes in handstands, flexibility, partner acrobatics. We have lots of great guest teachers coming in. If you want to learn more about this, you can go to warriorbridge.com festival. Hope we see you there. Warrior Bridge is a leading provider of online instruction in handstands, flexibility, movement, and partner acrobatics. 
classes are filmed daily from our downtown Manhattan studio and live streamed around the globe to meet you wherever you are in the world. Our classes offer students the unique opportunity to receive real-time feedback and answers from expert instructors and connect to a movement community that spans the globe. If you aren't able to attend class in real time, you can catch class replays at any time via our on-demand library. Head over to warriorbridge.com to learn more.